Too easily we decide that other people are like us. We project our own desires and attitudes onto entire markets. We trust our observations. But often what we believe we see is not really there. You can find powerful evidence of this phenomenon in courts of law. Every day, eyewitnesses to crime testify, offering their observations with assurance, and we trust them. When we read, an eyewitness identified John Doe as the assailant, then learn John Doe was found innocent, we are alarmed. We scream, reform the justice system. We think nothing could be more reliable than an eyewitness. But in general, eyewitnesses contradict one another more often than not. What we should reform is our view of eyewitnesses and our faith in human perception. So, in marketing, we look to research. But research may be one of our weakest tools. In 1999, Starbucks wanted to know what its customers thought. So, the company commissioned researchers to question them in person, on the spot. Many people have already detected the flaw in this research design. If, on the behalf of a host, you ask party guests their opinion of the party... They will gush. Granted, the people behind the counter at Starbucks are not party hosts, but they are hosts, and they are standing near the guests whom they have just earnestly served a warm latte, trying their best. As a guest, will you tell the researchers that your latte is merely good, the earnest girl's service only adequate, and the store ambiance acceptable but in need of work? As the person behind the counter, you know you are being observed. How does that affect you? Do you act normally? Are you providing a truly representative experience? This example illustrates a basic rule of research. Research changes its own results. Natural scientists originally observed this phenomenon, and the first discoverer gave it his name, the Heisenberg Uncertainty Principle. But in the realm of the natural sciences, at least some basic rules like gravity, relativity, and the laws of thermodynamics are at work. If a researcher can affect the relationships among protons and neutrons, what does this tell us about the validity of research into people's attitudes and behaviors? It tells us that research alters those apparent attitudes and behaviors. People who know they are being studied change what they do. This phenomenon explains another regularly observed occurrence. Researchers tend to find what they are looking for. Again, Natural scientists have noticed this in their own research. They call this phenomenon the participative universe. Physicist John Wheeler Archibald observed that when you look for particular information, you tend to find it. You lose your ability to see other information or to reach other conclusions, especially contradictory information or conclusions. We learn what we hoped to. This has profound meaning when we think about marketing research. It tells us that our research, rather than illuminating new data for us, simply hardens our biases and convictions. And so, with shocking frequency, this result emerges from our research. Research does not expose the truth. It blinds us to it. Data can be deceptive. Imagine Burbank, California, 1952. Eight representatives are waiting patiently in a small room that has what they do not realize is a one-way mirror on one wall. Finally, a young man arrives, the facilitator for their discussion. He engages them in some ice-breaking questions, then poses the question of that day. Imagine an enormous park. In the center, picture a four-story medieval castle with turrets painted a soft blue. Leading up to the castle, 
Imagine a wide street with stores on either side. Imagine a perfect small American town in 1915, except that these stores are immaculate, freshly painted, and about two-thirds the size of a normal building. As you walk down the street, people in Goofy and Mickey Mouse costumes walk up to you and greet you happily. In various parts of the park, there's a ride through a jungle, a submarine trip, race cars that go around a track, and other rides. Would you be interested in such a park? Would you fly two thousand miles to visit it? Would you pay a hundred dollars a day for your family to visit it? Almost certainly, the answers to those three questions would have been maybe, no, and absolutely not. And Disneyland and Disney World might never have been built. This kind of research, the kind that asks the questions you well might ask, is plagued by three insurmountable problems. First, the questions it asks are hypothetical, and life is real. We spend our hypothetical time and money in a much different way than how we spend real time and money. What we actually do is often nothing like what we said we might do. The second problem with "Would you like this research?" is that what you describe and what you deliver are not the same thing. The hypothetical Disney researcher's word picture, vivid though it was, couldn't adequately capture Uncle Walt's vision. The final problem is the one this tale of Disney suggests most vividly: the more innovative your idea, the smaller the number of people who will understand it, and people have great trouble imagining that they will buy or use what they cannot understand. Another example. Picture yourself trying to explain the personal computer, and then asking your listeners whether they would be interested in one. Only that.